Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, February 21st, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, on Thursday evening afternoon, I had the absolute delight to record the latest interview for Tell Me More, which will be coming out hopefully on Friday evening in the Patreon feed, if not in both feeds on Saturday morning. And that was with the legendary four-time Tony nominee, Tova Feldshoe, who is going to be a part of the Broadway by the Year concert at the Town Hall on Monday night. It is at 8 p.m. They are doing songs from 2000 through 2004. Um, I didn't know what to expect with her because she is so intense that I was a little nervous. But she was absolutely wonderful and lovely. And I think we had a great conversation. Well, that's great. I mean, uh she is a Broadway icon. She's been, you know, in the in in and around the Broadway community forever. Yeah, she was she was great. We talked about the fact that like she never is not working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she, but why she loves it, why she enjoys seeing not only talented people perform and do other types of things outside of her work, but also why that challenges her to take on really complex women in the roles that she selects. It was a really, really wonderful conversation. So I'm excited for everybody to hear that uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on when it pops up into your feeds. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, I wondered if I could talk to the listeners for just a second. Of course. So listeners, we're getting very close here. Matt hasn't been totally upfront with me and and I feel like I, I had to hear on today on Broadway that he used to live in Pittsburgh <laughs> I was like four years old I, I do not remember you're not anything. you're not sharing with me you don't you need, you need to emotionally open up I mean I told you about my new job before I told anybody else <laughs> Does that count that's true that's very true <laughs> I told you about that like back in mid-January <laughs> So, yeah, you used to live in Pittsburgh. Oh, I don't man. think it was actually Pittsburgh proper. Yeah, I think it no. was you know, a suburb of some sort. But, I mean, I was I hadn't even been to kindergarten yet. I, I don't know that that necessarily counts. Well, it's sort of like when people say they live in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. They really live 35 miles outside of either of those places. And I, I want to say that it was either in, I think it was in Library, Pennsylvania. Is that right? Oh, Library. Interesting. Or Cranberry. Library or Cranberry. I think those are both real towns. <laughs> and it was one of them. I don't in remember. In Mr. Where. Rogers' neighborhoods, they are real towns. I love it. I'm, no, I'm serious. I think they're both real towns. But <laughs> someone from the from the Pittsburgh area, the Three Rivers area, let me know. All right. So if you want to help us get Matt back to Pittsburgh to see August Wilson's house, uh, you can let us know at uh, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon to support Broadway Radio and help Matt get back to Pittsburgh. So we're dancing around this, but we have to talk about it, don't we? Uh, We do. Yes, it is the biggest story in the news today. So why why don't we just go ahead and do it? Okay, critics weigh in on West Side Story. Yes, they do, James. As everybody knows by now, the latest Broadway revival of West Side Story officially opened at the Broadway Theater on Thursday night. This is, of course, directed by Evo Van Hove slash Hova. Depending on which yes. pronunciation you want to go with, choreographed by Anna Teresa de Kiersmacher and features a whole ton 
of video that um, has some folks that were uh, a little concerned about that. The video, <clears throat> excuse me, the video design was by Luke Halls. Um, and this is something that comes up in a lot of the reviews that we're going to talk about, James. Real quick, want to run through the principal cast. Maria is played by Shireen Pimentel. Tony is played by Isaac Powell. Uh, Darren E. Jones plays Riff. He took over from Ben Cook, who injured himself during previews and actually during the curtain call of the opening night performance. Darren actually brought Ben Cook out on stage. That was a very nice moment to allow him to uh, participate in that as well. And the person with whom all of the drama lies in this production is Amar Ramasar, who's playing Bernardo. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment but a lot of the reviews in fact all of them that i've kind of gone through so far james do have a paragraph or more on the amar ramasar casting the protests and the petitions and the lawsuits and all of those things so i think that it is um not surprising that all of the hubbub that we have experienced in the last few weeks leading up to opening night has translated into the reviews themselves to varying degrees, of course. But we're going to start with Ben Brantley in the New York Times, who released his review super early, probably yeah. because because of this Amar casting controversy. Um, they deemed it a little bit more newsworthy, so they wanted to get that out early. But Ben Brantley did not make this show a New York Times critic's pick. Instead, he said, quote, I was hopeful when, in the production's opening moments, the gang members filed onto the front of the vast, empty stage and looked dead-eyed into the audience. You could imagine any of these able-bodied young brawlers being a deadly weapon all by himself. Then those big, projected close-ups begin. And as the camera caresses each photogenic face, the men's tattoos start to look less like don't-mess-with-me emblems of tribal membership and more like fashion choices. This is where it gets fun. We might have stumbled into a casting call for a Calvin Klein fragrance ad. <laughs> Rough for the man who likes it that way. Okay, Ben. Um, soon, they all start to sing and dance and occasionally exchange dialogue that in this context sounds terminally quaint. And the impression is no longer of angry young things on the brink of catastrophic explosion. So a lot of Brantley's review talks about the disconnect between the intention of some of these changes and how they actually worked in practice. Similarly, Helen Shaw of Vulture said, quote, dominated by an IMAX size projection wall showing all manner of video, a live feed of actors on or backstage pre-shot film of New York streets at night. The production seems perversely gifted at finding the exact mode that will interfere with each moment and intention. There are certainly a few fine elements in the show, and Maria, Shereen Pimentel, and Tony, Isaac Powell, clear, sweet-voiced, unaffected, do their iconic parts proud. Powell's superb Tony vibrates with energy and puppyish optimism. His rendition of Maria is revelatory, a show, and heart-stopper. If Pimentel's Maria seems less able to escape the, the show's occasional sabotage, her soprano is keenly lovely, a silvery fretwork above the rest of the ensemble's brassy, swaggering noise. So again, like Brantley, Shaw talks about a lot of these changes from Van Hove Hova not exactly hitting the mark that they were intended uh, to hit when they were designed. 
Finally, let's look at what Marilyn Stasio said in Variety. She said, quote, there's no doubt that the sensibility has shifted in this revival, but not enough to seem theatrically radical. Although we no longer seem to be in the 50s, the modern elements are mainly structural, like the gigantic scenic projections on the back wall. At first, they seem intrusive, more aggressive than enlightening, because they're competing with, and often overwhelming, the stage action below. They become integral to the show only when they reveal things we can't see for ourselves, like the confidential exchanges between Maria and Anita in the back room of Doc's drugstore, and the electrifying night run that Tony takes on the rain-slicked streets of Hell's Kitchen. So a, a lot of these reviews, James, and there was a wide variety, um, some more positive, some more negative. Uh, but this seems to be the common thread that there's a lot of really interesting choices that were made, but they don't always hit. And sometimes they work against the actual production. Now, I did say that we would get back to the Amar Ramasar casting controversy. And uh, all I want to say about this is that Actors Equity Association's executive director, Mary McCall, issued a statement in just a few hours before the opening that said, quote, everyone at West Side Story should be able to go to work and perform feeling safe and protected in their workplace. Equity has been in communication with the general manager and the members of the show. As a union, equity's role is to ensure that our members are protected in the workplace and we take that responsibility very seriously. Equity will continue to hold all employers to their legal, legal obligation to maintain a safe and harassment-free environment. I want all members, wherever they might work, to know that they can contact their business representative whenever there's any kind of problem in the workplace or use the equity hotline to anonymously report problems in their workplace. Now, James, this is a statement that says absolutely nothing. It is a statement that states nothing, um, which is fine because it, we see this a lot in sports where there's a bad actor on a team or in a league. And while it might have negative impacts to other members on the team or in the league, the union is still the union for that said bad actor. Now, I'm not getting into the Ramasar issues at all points, but Equity is still his union as well. So it's they're not saying much. They're re, they're just putting themselves out there and saying this is what we're doing. And it's a fine statement, but I don't know that it makes much difference on anything at all. Okay. So I, I saw that statement from Equity and I thought to myself, on opening night, why <laughs> my goodness. I get I guess they have to make a statement, but unfortunately it was it was on opening night. Um you know, I, I would have made that statement weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago when, you know, everything was first going into rehearsal or first preview or whatever. I, I, I believe they have issued a statement, not necessarily yeah. in like a press release, but they've been they've commented publicly in some of these articles when Rudin announced his a first press or his first statement. There was also a comment from Equity, but it was not like a send out to all of the contacts kind of thing. Yeah. In, in so far as the reviews go, um, I've been noticing uh, uh, among people who talk with me about um, West Side Story that people who are, you know, casual, um, casual viewers of, of Broadway theater go to a handful of shows a year um, that have gone to West Side Story are over the top and loved it. You know, really, really got very positive reviews from people who are not, uh, you know, aficionados of of Broadway, and they really enjoyed it. They did uh, kind of 
uh, say that they were distracted by the projections, um, and that. Uh, but overall, they had a very good time, and they really liked it. Now, from folks who see Broadway more often, and especially people who are um, really students of West Side Story, are are less enthusiastic about this production. So um, take it what you will. I haven't seen it yet. Um, uh, hope to, I hope to get to see it. I don't know if we've been banned because of all of our Scott Rudin and West Side Story chat because I, uh, I didn't get an invite for this yet, which is I, really odd. I, uh, I don't know that you've been shadow banned, but I have heard that that thought has crossed Scott Rudin's mind with certain outlets that I don't think actually happened. But I think that he has discussed doing that with some folks, but gladly he has not. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll have to see if Peter and Michael got to see it. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it on this weekend's uh, This Week on Broadway. Uh, next up, we had some news that The Inheritance is going to close next month. Yeah, perhaps doing something very similar to what Actors' Equity did in releasing this information just on the brink of opening night of West Side Story. The producers of The Inheritance announced that the show will conclude its Broadway run on Sunday, March 15th. It had uh, actually begun selling tickets into this summer, but it will close up shop at the Barrymore Theater in just a few weeks. At the conclusion of the run, the production will have played 46 previews, 28 of part one, 18 of part two, and 138 total performances, 86 of part one, and 52 of part two. Um, it is uh, certainly a shorter run that I think most people anticipated when it came over with the unbelievable reviews that it had in the West End, James. And for whatever reason, and we've talked about it on the show before, the show did not land as well as I think uh, many people did in terms of the prestige drama of the season. Um, I did. I have not seen it. As I've said many times before, I tend to not see two part things because I don't have time when I'm in town, but um, it it is very interesting to me, the disconnect between the reviews that this show got overwhelmingly positively in London and not you know, mixed reviews, both from critics and from audiences in New York where the show is set and it is by an American playwright. Yeah. Very, very interesting because it's such hot word out of London and such great reviews here. And it it just didn't translate into the ability to get butts in seats, which is, uh, you know, it's the X factor. It's the thing. It's the hardest thing to do on Broadway. You know, nothing Mm. is nothing is guarantee. All right. uh, Next up, we also had uh, reviews in for Encore's Mac and Mabel. We did. We talked about this the other day when we had highlights from it. The show is running at New York City Center from February 19th, which was Wednesday, through the 23rd, which is this Sunday. It is, of course, a concert-ish version of the iconic Jerry Herman score and the much less interesting book that has often been labeled as one of the worst in the history of musical theater, which is why it does not get done very often. This does have a revised version by Francine Pascal. Um, I don't know that it did a ton of good. The show is directed and choreographed by Josh Rhodes and features Douglas Sills and Alexander Soka in the title roles, along with Major Attaway, Lily Cooper, Ben Fankhauser, Evan Kasper, Zach Raymond, J. Lee, and more. 
Let's turn first to Laura Collins Hughes from The New York Times, who said, quote, while the romantic attraction between Mac and Mabel seems pro forma here, Sills and Soka do turn in a gorgeous I Won't Send Roses. If, during that song, you feel the urge to stage an intervention to stop Mabel from getting involved with this willful cad, that is to Soka's credit. But Mabel's real chemistry is with a smitten screenwriter, Frank, played with near poignancy by Ben Fankhauser. The best part of the evening, though, is the entreact, when only the orchestra is on stage and the lighting changes color with the colors of the music. This is the one moment that is overtly a tribute to Herman, and it is touching. Matt Winman of AM New York said, quote, for those such as myself who has listened to the show's Broadway and London cast albums for years and wondered why Mac and Mabel does not get performed more often, the Encore's production provides an opportunity to finally experience its book scenes, which can be uneven, downbeat, and exposition-heavy, while also basking in the thrill of a full orchestra and Broadway-caliber cast performing the magnificent score, which contains elements of better-known shows by Herman, such as Hello, Dolly! and Mame, including a big production number where the cast fawns over the leading lady. While often too over the top and declamatory, Sills gives an emotional and vocally rich performance. Soka also gives a big, also with a big voice and big personality, makes for an endearing and playful Mabel. The, the strong cast also includes Lee Cooper, Michael Barisi, and Ben Fankhauser. So basically, it's Mac and Mabel, and nothing that everybody already knew about Mac and Mabel has been changed by this production. All right. So uh, now my Broadway insider friends are like through the roof no. about this. Oh, I thought you were going to say they want their – it's going to transfer. It's not – no, no No, way. no, no. It's not going to not going to transfer, but everybody's really excited and everybody's like, this is what Encore should be doing all the time. All right. What do we have in other news? All right. First up, we have – a story coming from MCC where they have announced an extension for the New York premiere of C.A. Johnson's play All the Natalie Portmans. The show, which is directed by Kate Wariski, has extended two extra weeks and will now be running through Sunday, March 29th. Speaking of extensions that I didn't know needed extensions, to be quite honest with you, <laughs> yesterday the McKeetrick Hotel announced that Sleep No More has been extended. I just thought this was open and it is going to run forever. The show is now currently selling tickets through September 13th of 2020. Now, this is a story that um, is, a, is exciting to me, James, but also a little disappointing because the married uh, Oscar winning songwriting team of Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez have announced their latest endeavor together. And it is a musical, but it's a screen musical. Which, you know, I want them to do something. They've never written a Broadway musical together, although I have seen their Finding Nemo musical at Disney that they wrote together, which is fantastic. But they said in an exclusive with Playbill, quote, our next movie musical project is with Mark Platt, and it is a musical version of a graphic novel. You know, I love that called The Prince and the Dressmaker. The team is working with Pulitzer Prize finalist Amy Herzog to adapt the graphic novel by Jen Wang. The plot description for the novel and assumingly moving musical reads as thusly. Set in Paris, the story follows Prince Sebastian, whose parents are scouring the country for a bride for their son. But Sebastian leads a secret life. By night, he dons spectacular dresses and goes out as Lady Cristelia, a Parisian fashion icon. His best friend, dressmaker Francis, is the only one who knows the truth, and she doesn't want the credit for her creations to be secret anymore. Very interesting, James. I, I think this is a great concept. I think they will do wonderfully. 
but can we get an all Lopez Broadway musical, please? Finally, yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And finally, James, we got news from The New York Times on Thursday that they had named the first class for their new fellow uh, program where they will be having different uh, journalists becoming New York Times fellows in a variety of different areas. The New York Times fellow for arts criticism is Maya Phillips, who is a culture writer who has been published in not only The New York Times, but The New Yorker, Vulture, Mashable, Slate and many others. She is also been a web producer and contributor at the New Yorker. So this is very exciting. Uh, a woman of color gets this job. And if you scroll through the list of all of these people who have gotten these fellowships, the vast, vast majority of them uh, appear to be women. And uh, they're black and white photos, so I don't want to make assumptions. But I think all of the men are men of color. Uh, I'm not 100% sure because I don't want to make assumptions on these things, but it looks like they are all either women or men of color, which is very exciting. And congratulations to the New York Times on those selections as well. All right. Good class of 2021 fellows. All right. So, Matt, you know what time it is? Um, Like 9.40 p.m. Well, it's time to uh, get out of here, get some pop, and our hair needs cut. Is that a West Side? I don't understand it's a that. Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh thing. You know? Oh yeah, we say pop in Ohio too. But I haven't had a pop. I haven't had a pop since May third of twenty nineteen on the night that the Tony nominations were announced. It's the last time I had a pop soda, <laughs> anything like that. And your hair never needs cut. Oh it, no, it does. The sides and the back, just not the top. All right, get us out of here. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB Matt. Don't forget. Tova freaking Feldshu in this feed and in the Patreon feed this weekend. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us. And as Matt said, Tova Feldshu tomorrow and this week on Broadway on Sunday with uh, Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. And then uh, the Matt Nashley show come back on Monday. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.